The Daily Rios, episode 387. News from San Diego Comic-Con, day three. Hey everyone, this is Peter. This will be the final episode talking about various comic book news bits uh, released in the last few days of San Diego Comic-Con 2017. We start with Frank Miller, John Romita Jr., Superman, year one. Talking to Vulture.com, Frank Miller says, I never really had my real meaningful crack at Superman. In the case of DC Comics, which has by far and away the strongest and richest mythology, there are those three fundamental pillars that they have of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. All of the other characters kind of string along underneath of them, which is wonderful. I have to imagine that this project will be one of those I'll believe it when I see it type announcements. Not to say that Frank Miller can't deliver, but who knows at what stage of development this series is at the moment. It could just be an idea. There was an image attached to the project of a flying man in silhouette uh, among the clouds while a pair of glasses fall down to the ground below him. And I'm pretty sure it was by Frank Miller. It's scheduled to be a one-shot graphic novel. Now, could this be Frank Miller's way of redeeming his version, his version of Superman after all these years? Or at least the way people think Frank Miller thinks about Superman. Given that Miller's interpretation of Superman didn't survive too well with uh, Dark Knight Returns. I truly believe, as, as someone who was there when those issues were coming out, that the Superman versus Batman um, argument, you know, who would win, wasn't even really a thing, or, or at least to that level, until issue four of The Dark Knight Returns. And, you know, that issue helped to blossom the reputation of Batman, but it all but neutered uh, Superman's reputation um, to a lot of comic book readers. And I'm not saying that this is going to course correct that. It made me go, hmm, you know, when Frank Miller states that um, when he was writing The Dark Knight Returns, he had to put himself into Batman's shoes at the time, right? He had to, he had to make Superman the obvious counterpoint, the obvious antagonist to whatever it was that Batman was going to do to his methodology. And uh, the Superman and Clark Kent portrayal in The Dark Knight Returns, according to Miller, was not really what he thought of the character. It's just how he had to present him to tell that story. And um, I don't know. I mean, at the time, maybe Frank Miller maybe Frank Miller was just angry enough at that point and young enough and brash enough that that was what he thought about Superman. So now uh, apparently he wants to play around in the Superman sandbox and we will see. From Top Cow, there's going to be a Cyberforce reboot. The Cyberforce revival is part of Image Comics' 25th anniversary celebration, and it's by writers Matt Hawkins and Brian Hill and artist Atilio Rojo, with covers from Cyberforce creator Mark Silvestri. The new series has a 25-issue monthly commitment with no breaks, something they feel real strongly about, most notably just to make sure retailers can feel good about supporting such a venture. Now, along with Cyberforce, it'll include elements from Aphrodite 9 uh, and the Ninth Generation, all tied into one larger storyline. 
The story starts before Cyberforce is formed and takes us through a semi-familiar origin with a few twists and a hidden antagonist that has risen to replace the chairwoman's original role, who was killed in the Ninth Generation Volume 2. Writer Matt Hawkins had this to say, The idea of transhumanism, cybernetically and genetically enhanced humans, is more relevant today than it ever was. We are at a pivotal point in history where I personally believe we may be looking at an accelerated species split, and part of this storyline embraces that. As we race towards the singularity and an immortality that will be available to an elite few, our time is ripe for fictional stories that toy with these concepts. Cyberforce is about the conflict between technology and humanity. We like to pretend there isn't one and that these can be used in harmony, but the conflict exists. Are we more human than human, or are we losing our humanity? Speaking of Image and 25th Anniversaries, DC Comics will celebrate the 25th anniversary of Jim Lee's Wildstorm in August with the release of an oversized hardcover collection titled Wildstorm, A Celebration of 25 Years. And I think this was previously announced, but they gave a little more detail here. Um, the title features new stories, for instance, Brandon Choi and Jim Lee uh, revisiting Wildcats. Jeff Scott Campbell uh, will do a short uh, Gen 13 story. We have Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch on a new Authority story, and Brett Booth is going to revisit Backlash. And also artist Dustin Nguyen will contribute a Wildcats 3.0 story. This collection will also include pinups from artists like John Cassidy, Tim Sale, Fiona Staples, Adam Hughes, Carlos Danda, Lee Bermejo, Ryan ben- Benjamin, and uh, also some behind-the-scenes material and reprints of the studio's greatest stories. From Marvel, we have Star Wars Thrawn. This will be the next Star Wars miniseries that will focus on the popular villain Grand, Grand Admiral Thrawn. This is an adaptation of Timothy Zahn's novel of the same name, which was, which was released earlier this year. This will be by the creative team of writer, writer Jody Hauser and artist Luke Ross. The miniseries will debut in February 2018, and it will explore Thrawn's rise through the Imperial ranks and how he honed his fearsome reputation in the years leading up to his first in-canon appearance in the Star Wars Rebels animated series. Now, when I read this announcement, it made me wonder if there was an adaptation of Zahn's earlier Heir to the Empire trilogy, and uh, sure enough, there is. Back in the mid-90s, Dark Horse did a series adapting the novel trilogy. Now, I was never really a big Star Wars fan, but even at the time, I knew that reading that first book, uh, Heir to the Empire, I knew that that was special. And I'm pretty sure I, I still have the hardcovers somewhere, somewhere in a in a plastic crate somewhere, um, out of all the extended universe stuff for Star Wars. Um, Heir to the Empire was really the only thing I dug into, unlike Star Trek, which um, I have quite a few novels from that universe. So Star Wars Thrawn coming from Marvel. From Aspen Comics, a book called Sparrow, co-written and drawn by Derek Robertson, co-writer R. Eric Lieb, covers by David Mack, This comic book series is inspired by a pretty famous violinist of the day named Lindsay Sterling, who rose to popularity on America's Got Talent. She's a musician, 
She's a dancer. She's a performing artist. I had no knowledge of who she was until I read this. I looked up a couple videos on YouTube and, you know, she's got an interesting hook. She sings and she dances all while playing the violin, and that's no easy task. So Sparrow tells the fantasy story of a young girl in a dying world without hope. While the book isn't autobiographical completely, each issue will be named and inspired by one of Sterling's songs. And Lindsay herself said she was drawn into the imagination of the medium. And you know what? Sure, this totally falls under the category of celebrity comics, possibly celebrity comics gone bad. I don't know. I thought the I thought this at least had a hook to it in the sense of um, a possible music and comics mashup. You know, it made it reminded me a little bit of Tori Amos's love for the Sandman comic, but um, obviously, I mean, the Sandman comic is the Sandman comic, but. I don't know, maybe it's the th theatricality of her performance that makes me a tiny bit curious about this announcement. So we'll, I'll just have to look out for it if in, and when it ever shows up. Here are two other media-type announcements. We have uh, coming to the CW Seed, Freedom Fighters The Ray animated series. Now, the CW Seed is already home to two short seasons of Vixen, and we were promised an animated version of Constantine with Matt Ryan from the live-action TV show doing The Voice. Um, you know, because that series, that live-action TV, TV series was cut down before its time, uh, so they decided to do an animated version. Constantine has showed up on Arrow, and they're still using Matt Ryan, who was, a, I thought, a, a fine choice for the character. So this series, uh, Freedom Fighters The Ray, takes place on Earth-X, as they as they are in comics, where the Nazis won World War II. And there is a teaser trailer um, that shows an extended fight sequence. And on the side of the Reich, you see Supergirl, Flash, and Arrow, right? Which makes sense because those are the three flagship shows on the CW. And they are on the side of the Reich, and they are going up against Ray the Red Tornado in the design that he has uh, for the Supergirl series, Phantom Lady, Black Condor, who has, um, I'm pretty sure his design is taken from post-Infinite Crisis. And then there's another character in this like blue and orange um, sort of armored suit. I can't make out who it is. They never really talk about him. I don't know if it's like Vibe or some character from an established... Um, TV show, so I don't know. I don't know who that is, but I'm looking forward to it. I liked Vixen Season 1. I have yet to see Vixen Season 2. Um, Grant Gunston and Stephen Amell, they do the voices for Flash and Arrow whenever they pop up. Same thing with um, the actor who plays Vibe. Uh, so you can watch Vixen. You can watch, uh, you can watch the live-action Constantine TV series. You can even watch the live-action Birds of Prey, all on the CW Seed website. So go do that. And then this other announcement, another TV announcement, Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics, coming to AMC, a new mini-documentary series which tells the stories of comic book industry happenings that shaped the industry into what it is today. Now, Kirkman described it as, these are the stories creators have told one another over post-convention drinking and dinner. The first season consists of six mini-films, 
And those six are The Trials of Superman, which features Siegel and Schuster's legal battles over the rights to uh, Superman, the character, and his family of characters. Misfits Who Made Marvel, the early days of creating Marvel Comics. Image Comics, a declaration of independence about the founding of Image Comics. And, you know, a, a mini documentary series by Robert Kirkman. Of course, one of them is going to be Image Comics. The other three include City of Heroes, the lives of comic creators and the industry uh, during the time and the events of 9-11. Color of Comics, the legacy of the Milestone imprint and creator Dwayne McDuffie. And finally, Wonder Woman, from her early origins of the character to the film by uh, directed by Patty Jenkins. And this will be uh, released starting in November I sort of feel like, you know, be cautious with this one. Documentaries like this, depending on the length of each episode, could be a lot of little sound bites. It could be more noise than signal. Um, uh, part, of the, uh, part of the stable of people that Robert Kirkman is interviewing includes not only creators but actors and celebrities. So, you know, how in-depth are we going to get or is it just getting um, – people's perceptions of the industry that aren't really in the industry. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I have to imagine maybe he's going to talk to a lot of the people that are involved with making the movies and the TV shows. Who knows? I don't know. Um, we'll see. There could be a lot of good stuff that gets left on the cutting room floor, but, um, uh, you know, mm, I don't know how I feel about this one. <laughs> I'm, sh I'm sure I'll watch it. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure how much stock I'll put in it once I see it. So we'll see. Coming out in the fall. And finally, a few personal uh, happenings during the weekend. Following a panel discussion about his trilogy of graphic novels called March with co-authors Andrew Iden and Nate Powell, civil rights leader John Lewis led a march of about a thousand people through the Comic-Con floor, which I thought was kind of great. Um, Lewis stated during the panel that Dr. King inspired me to get in trouble, what I call good trouble, necessary trouble. Now more than ever before, we all need to get in trouble. When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have a moral obligation, a mission, and a mandate to stand up, to speak up, to speak out, and get in trouble. The third volume of uh, March received Comic-Con's Eisner Award on Friday for Best Reality-Based Work, and the three authors also received the uh, Comic-Con's Inkpot Award, which recognizes outstanding achievement achievements in comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. And it was also sadly announced during the weekend that uh, Flo Steinberg, fabulous Flo Steinberg, had passed away after complications from, from a brain aneurysm and metastatic lung cancer. She will be uh, interred in the Jewish cemetery in New York. Flo was the sole Marvel staffer besides Stan Lee in the early Marvel comics of the 1960s. She was called a Gal Friday, helping with every aspect of getting books out the door. She left in 1968. In 1975, she published Big Apple Comics, an early indie comic that included mainstream comic creators doing more personal stories. She was featured as Invisible Girl in a Jack Kirby-drawn story in What If 11, where the Silver Age Marvel bullpen are the Fantastic Four. And she was also honored in 2006's 
Ultimate Fantastic Four 28, appearing as the secretary to President Thor in a world populated entirely by superheroes. And if you can get a hold of comic book artist 18 from Tomorrow's Publishing around uh, 2002, they have a great celebration of her career, obviously while she was still alive, um, taking a look at the many, many, many facets of um, what she did for Marvel and afterwards. So rest in peace, fabulous Flo Steinberg. You know, there were trailers and sizzle reels from movies and TV, but all that news you can find online and on YouTube. I wanted to try and focus on comic book and comic book related news, not that it was always easy to find. So if you are a creator, if you're a publisher, or you're just a fan and you've seen news that I haven't mentioned, send it over and I'll drop it into a later episode. And you can do that at peterthedailyreels.com or leave a comment on the website, thedailyreels.com. Hope you enjoyed my San Diego trilogy of episodes. This has been The Daily Rios, episode 387. Talk to you soon.